0: ultra tuscan orange grapefruit my god america is imploding
1: hello everybody welcome back to another episode of fan zone debate uh this is the start of round two of the tournament and an exciting one we are going to have we have richard schwartz who is the number six seed in the tournament, Uh, just uh, went up against, I believe, Jim Green in his last match, playing very, very well to win that match, going up against Amaru Moses, the 14 seed, I believe. Yes, we did not see Amaru in round number one of the tournament uh, because he got a bye because uh, things. Get over it. Don't worry about it. So, uh, but uh that's okay amaru is here ready to play it's been a while since he's been in the debate arena here uh but i know he's ready i know richard's ready this is gonna be a good match cody you're here with me today how are you and what do you think about the match
0: oh i'm just you know excited and just jazzed um uh i'm glad we don't have to talk about correctional facilities or anything like that tonight so this is gonna be a lot of fun um and uh i expected actually a good match i think jim thought he was going to have an easy match against richard and richard proved that he knows what he's talking about and jim green had to suffer that loss and amaru was so good that we just didn't even give an opponent he just like went to the next round said hey i'm ready to play so you know it's true it's a great time and we got maggie here this is this is this is the best night ever
1: yeah speaking of her maggie welcome uh you were you judged the first match of round one. Now you're back to judge the first match of round two. So how are you? And
2: uh, are you excited? I'm good. Um, I have never seen either of these players play before. I think so. It is. I'm excited to see what they bring to the table. Um, and yeah, I hopefully won't be here for the first round uh, match of round three.
1: So. Well, there's only two matches in round three. So I'll let you pick which one you want to be <laughs> here for. And you can do that. then. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's bring in the competitors. Star- uh, starting with Amaru. Amaru, welcome. Uh, like we've said, you weren't here in round one, but not. that's not your fault. You get to move on and you're now here for this
3: match. Uh, how are you feeling about today's match? I am hella excited. I have not been able to debate anywhere in about a year. Uh, I think my last debate is when I beat Nick Tuig, except y'all put the one in the wrong column, but that's neither here nor there. Um, no, he actually, that was actually a really good match. Um, mm. it could have gone either way to tell you the truth. Um, he just said, he thought I won. So I'm going to take that as a, as a victory in my heart. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I I said it before in the last time I was here, I'll say it again. This is where I thrive. This is me. I debate, I debate all the time. I know how to do this. Um, but I'm really excited to play Richard because, because, uh, y'all said it, Jim thought he was going to have a good match and I've debated Richard on my show and Richard knows how to talk. He knows how to debate. He is sneaky good at this. So I am just, I'm very excited to be able to yell at
0: somebody. (laughs) <laughs> it's so, great. It's so aren't, great.
1: Aren't we all? Uh, so let's bring in uh, Mr. Carefree himself. Richard, welcome back. Uh, like we've talked about, you beat Jim in the last round. I thought that was one of the better matches we had in round one of the tournament. And now you're here to play Amaru. How are you feeling about the match today? Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm a little nervous. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't
4: faced Amaru in debating, but if he's as good as he is in trivia, then I could be in some trouble uh i'm excited just to give some of these questions a shot um i'm here to have fun um i feel really good about some of these questions not so good in some of them so we're gonna
1: we're gonna see how it goes all right well that sounds good well uh i will explain the rules for the show here's how it's gonna work um there were four categories that the players uh drafted and then uh we came up with questions for those categories the players tonight are going to debate those questions and the first player to get three points will be the winner uh you each will get a minute opening followed by a five minute free form followed by one minute closings for each of you and like i said the first to three is the winner if we are tied after the four prep questions we will move on to a bonus question uh but gentlemen let's get ready to fight All right, guys, uh, the first category that you are going to be debating this evening is going to be in the category of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This was drafted by Richard, and the question is, what is the best action scene in a Phase 1 MCU movie? Uh, So, Richard, you drafted this, so you get to go first. You have one minute to open your argument when you start talking, and I will come in to give you a 10-second warning.
4: So the best action scene in phase one is actually a lot difficult than what it you would think it would be because either um, some of the scenes were not as long and just not as memorable or they were too long and cannot be considered a scene. So I decided to pick one of my favorite scenes in Marvel Avengers, which was the confrontation, first confrontation between Iron Man, Thor and Captain America in the forest. Uh, this is probably the best very quick action scene in this film because not only does it bring in the humor, it brings in some great action sequences. It also brings these three gigantic figures from their separate movies together, all together for the first time. And seeing them um, interact for the first time together brought some funny moments. And also, looking back from even Avengers M game and previous. Marvel movies going back, it's just, it's a very memorable scene, and I will talk more about it when we get to uh, the fighting round. I concede the rest of my time.
1: Conceding two seconds of time. Very caring of you, Mr. Carefree. All right, Amaru, you now have one minute to open your argument when you start talking.
3: So good action scenes have great fights or shootouts that are well choreographed. Great action scenes can bring in other elements like humor or horror to enhance that look and feel, but perfect action sequences have all of that, but infuse some reason, some heart, and some drive for the main character to be doing more than just action for action's sake. And there's only one scene in phase one of the MCU that does that, and it's Tony escaping the cave in Iron Man 1. It is an amazing action sequence that informs The character that becomes the linchpin of the MCU for the next 20 years. It's the origin of Iron Man. It builds tension. It has great horror shots. It has a mixture of close quarters quarters fighting and shootouts. It has some humorous moments. It has moments of badassness for the antagonist at the time. An epic finale with flamethrowers and the first flight of Iron Man all in a practical suit making it look so much better. And all of that isn't even the best part of it. The best part of it comes with one word. And that one word that I'll talk about later is Jensen.
1: Time. All right, uh, guys. Five minute of free form debate when one of you starts talking.
4: So um, if we're talking about probably the best, like, you know, Uh, emotional moment in the MCU. I would definitely say your scene takes it because you have the death of Jensen in that whole scene. But we're talking about best action sequence. And we're just focusing mainly on the action part. And even though yours was fun, you know, Iron Man coming out in the OG Iron Man suit, the scenes was very, it was very clunky because he was in that big suit and all you really saw was just guns, the bullets just bouncing off him, him being very sloppy with uh, his movement and stuff. And though it was really cool, like it kind of was just all over the place. Whereas uh, my scene was very well choreographed. You have the humor, you have the great action. You have the great moments when you see them all three of them together. And it was just very well put for the action.
3: You say you wanna focus on the action and your moment is barely an action scene. It's a character scene. It's a character scene with little skirmishes here and there. You don't remember the action from the scene. What you remember is, are we in Shakespeare in the park? Do you wanna bring the hammer down? I don't remember that as much. And one third of your crew doesn't even fight. He throws a shield once, gets his shield hit and then says, oh, Are we done here? It's a character scene that informs the bickering a little later and it's a scene that informs Captain America as being the leader. Your scene is a character scene without action. Mine's is an actual action scene and the emotion informs the action. When you come to Jensen, the first thing Jensen does is comes out shooting. And then when you get to the emotional part, it calls back to him saying, I'm going to see my family soon. So he knew he would have to sacrifice himself in an action scene. And that not only informs the the, the entire action of everything, how great it is, how choreographed it is, how much humor there is, how much horror there is at the beginning, informs Iron Man, which is supposed to be clunky because it's his first shoot, but Jensen dying and giving that to him and telling him, don't waste your life, informs Tony Stark as Iron Man. My emotion gives reason for all of the action. Your action, the little parts it has, informs a character scene. Uh, now, Captain
4: America does more than just throw a shield. He takes the blow from Thor's hammer, which, you know, for Thor, that was never, he never thought anything could take a blow from his hammer, Mjolnir. And then also you're saying the only thing we remember is six Shakespeare part. No, you remember uh, Thor using the lightning against uh, Tony Stark's suit. The power being full, 300%. O'Toni's like, well, look at that. And he blasts Thor into the 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 forest. And this is the first time Thor actually had real confrontation from an actual earthling. And we see the great action. Again, uh, talking about your scene. Your scene gets really fun when he's pumping, you know, walking around, you know, pumping. And then when the death of Jensen happens, it kind of takes away from the action because you get that emotional moment. And it doesn't really pick up after that because all you're seeing is just explosions, explosions, bullets bouncing off. But you don't really see. It's just very all over the place. And then again, uh, Iron Man and Thor, that fight scene was great. It wasn't just a Shakespeare fight. It was also funny moments too, which you like Shakespeare part. It's a great moment in my action sequence because it fits Tony's character
3: while fighting. It's, but again, it's about Tony's character. It's about Thor's character. It's all this, it's, it's this 20 seconds of little skirmishes in between a minute conversation, 20 second fight, another 30 second conversation, another blow. And then Cap comes in for one second, throws his shield, Let's not do this. Talk, talk, talk. Hits his shield. Are we done here? He doesn't fight. There's not much action. It's all surrounded by talking. Okay, you want to talk about religion. yours
4: is just, for the beginning, yours is just like 10 seconds of Iron Man just walking around, wildly swinging. Then you get like maybe a minute or two of them uh, him talking to Jensen, and then you got another like 30, 45 seconds of him being clunky again, getting bullets pounced up, and then you see him, you know, flying off, which is fun, and then crashing. That's really all. My 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 scene in my moment has more impactful situations because of what the future MCU movies bringing these three together, and you going back seeing One how minute. different they are to seeing different how they different they were in the first Avengers to how they were in Endgame. Mine is so much more fun when you're looking at like the the um the whole scale of it with uh Captain America. I mean Iron Man taking on Thor. So this is the first time Thor is having a real challenge from an Earth person
3: and then uh let's 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 talk about the 10 seconds that you're talking about first off there's the tension at the beginning whether or not he's going to hit the y and make sure it starts up before then then we go to the horror sequence looking from the iron eyes um or the clunky one's eyes because it's supposed to be clunky when all the guys are like what's going on what's going on there's the horror for your action then they blow up the door and then he comes out Jensen goes out shooting and then he comes out Close shot, head that hits him back in the face. That's the humor moment. Then there's a lot, a lot. I'm also going to I'm, not even it. I'm halfway through my feet, and there's so much more action left with the drama right in the in between it. Yours is like third forty-five seconds total of action.
1: Time. All right, um, Amaru, you now have one minute to close your argument when you start talking.
3: Richard said there's not much action in my scene and it's all over the place, except there's a great timeline of what happens. And I only got through halfway through the scene. You still have, you have the horror moments, you have the tension, you have the humor moments, you have bullets, you have explosions. And then he said it doesn't pick up after the emotional scene that basically informs the entirety of the main part of the MCU. You have huge flamethrowers in the first flight of an Iron Man shoot. It brings your actual character, the main character you have in the MCU to life. It informs what Iron Man's gonna be and why he's gotta improve it. Then it informs Tony Stark as a character because you don't want to waste your life. While his scene it is about the tension between the crew while they're talking and speaking, it kind of informs the bickering scene later, but it also informs Captain America being the leader. It's a character scene that has little fighting moments in between while my emotion, humor, and horror intenses a very great action sequence.
1: All right. Richard, you now have one minute to close your argument when you start talking.
4: If you want multiple bullets flying off each other and multiple just random explosions like a Transformers movie, yeah, this scene is for you for Iron Man. All he really does is walk. He's walking around being wildly... Reagan for like 10, 15 seconds, a great emotional scene with the Jensen, but we're talking about action sequence. And again, more flame flower. it's just random explosions. My captain America four scene. Yes. I guess maybe not as many actions, but they're very choreographed. You see the tensions of all three of these people coming together. How cool was captain America taking the blow from Thor's Mjolnir seeing the damage in the aftermath, seeing the humor between Iron Man and Thor, seeing the blast between Thor, having Thor being conflicted from an earthling for the first time might have humor. Great action sequence. You get to see these three, the trinity, the Marvel trinity come together for the first time, and you're looking back to the, from Avengers Endgame, other movies, this still really stands out, still holds together today. The Iron Man 4 scene, I mean, the Iron Man cave scene is fun, but it's just him walking around getting hit with bullets.
1: Time. All right. Bring in the judges. And, uh, Do we have our answers written or do we need some time? Maggie is muted.
2: I'm good. Sorry.
1: You good, Cody? Yep. Okay, Uh, I'll go first. I'm giving the point to Amaru. Um, I think that when it came down to explaining the action in the scene and why the action uh, was so good in the scene, uh, he did the better job of that uh, while also bringing in funny moments, horror moments, uh, emotional moments. And Richard just kind of kept talking about the same two or three moments of his scene, whereas Amaru brought up a lot. Uh, so that's where I'm going. Cody, where are you going?
0: Yeah. Somebody has argued with this person in uh, YouTube comments. I'm going to go with Amaru as well. Uh, he doesn't back down and he does really well with, uh, actually painting the picture of action. So that's what I wanted to hear. I didn't care about the really other elements, but he painted the best picture of action. So,
1: And Maggie, your point doesn't count. But where would you have gone?
2: Uh, I also said Amaru for the same reasons that you asked him. All
1: right, so Amaru gets point number one. As we get into question number two, this one was drafted by Amaru. It's in the category of crime films, and the question is, what is the best line in the Ocean's trilogy? Uh, So Amaru, you drafted this. You get to go first. One minute to open when you start
3: talking. The Ocean's franchise is a movie lover's dream. You wanna sit back, relax, and let the people who are supposed to kill it do that. And all of this is made possible through dialogue that makes everything you hope would work 10 times better. From front to back, the dialogue hits. So choosing the best line is very hard. But what you need to do is choose a line that makes the movie as great as it is. And it's not Clooney and Pitt that makes this trilogy great. It's the fact that everyone else in the crew lives up to your main two. You believe about, care about, and grasp grasp to every single member of the team, no matter their screen time or importance. You don't need to be convinced of the main two. You need all 11 for the ride of one of the most iconic and fun franchises in movie history and there's only one line that solidifies the fact that you need to pay attention to every second of every person or there's a possibility that you might miss greatness Greatness, it has the exact correct moment correct delivery and is when elliot gould tells matt damon that's wonderful get in the goddamn house get into that later
1: time all right richard you now have one minute when you start talking
3: I really
4: enjoy the Oceans uh, franchise. It's a great three, probably a perfect three movie set. It's really hard because the quotes are not as memorable as like other movies. But I feel like uh, what makes a great quote is a quote that can be easily uh, reminded or themed for each three movie. And the main quote that I went with is, because the house, always, the house always wins. The full quote is, because the house always wins. Play long enough and you never change the stakes, the house takes you. Unless that perfect hand comes along and you bet big, then you take the house. That whole quote sequence sums up Oceans 11, 12, 13, the reason why the Oceans team is doing what they're doing. They are trying to take down the man, take down the power. And I think, you know, in life, we can definitely relate to that and i will argue more about this when we come to the fighting sequence and once again i concede the rest of my time
1: all right 5 minutes of free form when one of you starts talking
3: All right. So Um, so yeah, you need the, you needed to have a theme of it. And the theme of why oceans is so amazing is that every single person is important. And my scene comes at the exact right moment and delivered the exact right time. It's the first time everybody is together. Linus is kind of representing the audience. It's where we're at. The point was like, should we all go forward with this? The first time everybody's together, Danny says, Hey, look, You're going to be doing something dangerous, could get you uh, in jail. Uh, No hard feelings if you don't come through, but if you are, come in. And Linus is the one sitting down like, should I do this? So he's representing the audience. Should I get into this movie, even though I've seen uh, Pitt and Clooney? And he's wondering, should I get into this heist? And the probably the 10th build guy is telling the third build guy. He comes up to him and says, very casually, you're Bobby Caldwell's kid, right? How do you like Chicago? Damon responds, "It's nice. Oh, that's wonderful. Get in the goddamn house. It is the perfect moment delivered to snap you into. Oh my gosh! It doesn't matter whether it's the Mar. Um, you are board. coming
4: up way too much within that line. You're coming up with some. It was just a funny line in that one moment. It was cute, but it's a very forgettable. If you're watching the rest of the movie, the more action sequences, uh, the the this Casey Affleck and his brother in that scene is really funny. Way more funny than that line. My." The house always wins. My whole quote is the reason why Oceans 11, 12, and 13, are, they're doing what they're doing. They are tired of the big, the you know, the manager hotel. They are trying to take the money. They're trying to take down what seems nearly impossible in Oceans 11. It's why when Rusty is asking Danny, why are you going through so much to do this, to come up with this plan? And that is the reason, because he's tired of the house always winning, they're tired of the, the rich people always prevailing. My quote is, the main reason in Oceans 11, 12, and 13 is why they're doing what they're doing, because they're tired of seeing the rich prevail. They want the underdogs to finally win. Your your, your, your quote, is, it's a funny moment in that scene, but you, you don't remember it past that point. Like, it, it dies out, that quote. There are so many
3: other memorable quotes in that movie other than that line. You're telling me that the theme of the film is to get rich people not to get away with it when the entire movie and franchise... It's, it's when the entire franchise is rich people, rich actors getting together with other rich actors to do what they want because they want to have fun. That is not a theme of the movie. The movie is iconic and fun because of you get to see the heist, you get to see what they're doing. You're not thinking about rich people getting their comeuppance because this the entire uh, surrounding part of this film is rich actors wanting to do something with rich actors so they can continue to have fun. Pe- it's not. No, about- we're not talking about actors. We're talking about the characters, not everyone. We're talking about the characters. You're talking about just the actors.
4: I'm talking about the characters in the movie are doing what they're doing to take down the – let's go with the first one, Ocean's Eleven. They're taking down the hotel manager the, – the hotel – the casino manager's money. They're trying to take, take that away from them. They're okay. trying to
3: – Keep going, keep going. No, I'll let you – Oh, I would say I, I, I was saying you brought up the characters and you brought up this quote to talk about a theme, but your theme doesn't hold any weight about rich people getting their comeuppance when one the entire movie is rich people acting rich people. But if you want to talk about going into characters, George Clooney isn't doing this to get at to get at the rich people. He's doing it to get his wife back. That's what he's doing it for. Now, no, that, that's not his main reason why he's doing it for. That's something he wants eventually in the movie because
4: he doesn't know his wife's going to be there. He wants to make the perfect score to do the theft to get the perfect score, something that has never been done, which is utterly impossible. And I'm not. That
3: is the exact opposite of doing it for the rich people. It's for his ego or for his it's,
4: wife. It's the main theme, though. Like, it, like for, for taking away from outside of the movie. It's you know. Something's been done because the rich will always get richer. Especially, okay, we'll go to Ocean 13. That's a clear example of that. But
3: yours is just a funny moment. You cannot say... You're sorry. I've been talking too much. I'll wait till you No, I, I'm I'm just saying you're trying to talk about theme and I'm telling you your theme doesn't hit hold water. I'm talking about this is a great line because of what oceans trilogy represents and how iconic and fun it is. And it's only iconic and fun because every single person in that film hits just as hard as everyone else. And there isn't a line in the film that brings that to light. than when this moment, when as an actor, Elliot Gould, who you don't know, tells off Matt Damon, but also flip that as a character, the OG, probably most important financial backer of the heist is telling the new kid, Son, get in the house now because you need us and we need you. It doesn't matter if you are the tenth build or the third build. It doesn't matter if you're the new guy or the old guy. You are. That
4: film. that that's not true. That is not what your quote is saying. He's saying to one person to another. That's funny. Get again the house. That has nothing to do with the rest of the whole cast. Their characters in the crib.
1: All right, um, margin After this, okay. So Richard, uh, you get to close your argument first one minute when you start talking.
4: Okay, maybe me saying the theme of Take Down the Man is not the best example, but it my quote's the best, the best quote from the Oceans franchise because they do have, all three movies have something in common that they're trying to take something from a higher person, a person of higher wealth, trying to take their wealth from them because in life, the house always does win. The rich always do prevail. In the first movie, Danny wants to take that one dude's uh, casino money get his wife back as well, but it's because he always seems to be winning while Danny was always losing. The The, the underdog was always losing. He was in jail. Whereas uh, Amaru's quote, it, it's a funny line to, from the one dude to Matt Damon's character, but it doesn't, it's only just there for that one moment for that one scene. It's not relating to any of the also oceans crew. If you really look back at the Oceanist 11, 12, and 13, uh, my quote just simply sums up the oceans trilogy is uh, underdogs trying to beat the man, trying to do something that never seems impossible because the rich always seem to rent in real life when we tired of time in real life.
1: All right. Maru, you now have one minute when you start talking.
3: As I said, Richard's theme of the rich getting away with things doesn't hold water and in the forms of the fact that these are actors trying to play, have fun with everybody, but even with the characters, Danny is doing this for his wife. And as Richard mentioned, what he brought up, doing it for his ego. Mines is yes, a small line, but it's a line you love because it comes at a point where we're trying to decide, are we in this movie? And Linus is trying to decide, am I in this heist? And you get the guy that a lot of people don't know telling probably the third bill actor, telling him a line that catches you off guard with perfect comedic delivery at the perfect time and convinces you. He goes, oh, that's wonderful. Get in the goddamn house. It is a snapshot into like, oh wow. Anybody at any point at any time, no matter where they're a highly known actor or a lesser known actor, whether they're the main guy in the crew, the most important or the least important, any person at any moment could do something great in the trilogy, and that's why this line is the best, because it sums up what makes Ocean's trilogy so iconic. Time.
1: All right. Bring in those judges <laughs> who don't want to be on screen, apparently.
2: What was the question? Was it iconic?
1: Uh, the question was best line in the trilogy.
2: Best line in the trilogy?
0: Sorry, I'm having to pair
2: Um, It's not allowed.
0: Well, come take it over. That'd be great.
1: <sighs> okay. Um, we all good? Uh, sure. I guess. Maggie, you get to go first.
2: I know. This is why I'm sad. Um, so... Honestly, I thought it was pretty close, but I'm gonna give my point to Amaru. Just because I think he painted a better picture of how his quote sort of relates overall to the movies. Um, I think Richard sort of got hung up on um, Amaru's comebacks to his theme argument. And um, really, I thought Amaru's closing was also very strong. So that's why I'm giving the point to him.
1: All right, I'll go next. Uh, this was a bit all over the place for me I was going back and forth the whole time uh, but at the end of the day I actually went with Rich uh, I thought that Richard did a pretty good job of explaining the theme to me and was able to that that carried weight with me in um, why it was the best in the trilogy and it had something to say about the trilogy as a whole in each movie so I yeah, give it to Richard. Uh, Cody you get to decide this one
0: well, it's known around these parks that Tim is a buffoon That's and is always wrong. I went Amaru, Amaro, and the reason why I think it was very close to the closing, uh, through the middle ground. But the closing, I think Amaro basically Richard had to use some of his times to like say, "Hey, what I said wasn't quite the best," but and Amaro was just waiting there just to beat him in the head with the club. So it was it was a bad deal. So yeah, uh, Amaro gets my punch. So. All right, yeah. so Amaro goes up two to
1: zero. Uh, Richard does need to hit this next question in order to stay in it. Uh, It is a category that he drafted. It is the category of sports. Uh, The question is what is the worst sports movie featuring children, kiddos, the little tykes, you know, the the little people. Uh, So um, Richard, because
3: Yes, I just, I'd like a point of clarification. Um, in the chat, I don't know if this makes any difference, but it says best kids sports movie, not sports, uh, film with kids.
4: Yeah, yours says this
3: was fine.
1: Yes, with yes, both of your answers were accepted. Uh, yes, I see what you're saying. I, I don't just don't want that to inform
3: think. the argument and everything. So I took yeah. it as kids sports film. So
1: no, cool. you're totally good. That yes, absolutely. Uh, so um. Richard, you get to go first. You have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. So it's a, this was actually a really tough question because I do like a lot of kids
4: sports movies, even the bad ones. But the one I went with is the one that had a lot of good star power, a lot of funny uh, moments, a lot of, a lot of actors who are very good comedians, like who had moments of being funny. It just wasn't funny. And also send a bad message two kids watching this film and i went with the bench warmers uh the best bench warmers uh it was it was not as good as what i thought it was going to be it was actually really bad uh the humor was dry i think the messages that this film gives out to kids while watching this film is really not great uh, i think it's just it's just it falls flat uh and i will just talk more about when we get to the fighting sequence um when you're thinking because i love baseball Benchwarmers did not do this movie justice and I concede the rest of my time.
1: All right. Maru, we will move over to you one minute to open your argument when you start
3: talking. Kids' sports f- films need to have lessons. They need to be funny who they're marketed to, and they need to have characters that kids remember. Often a Greek human, a cartoon, or an animal. So, like in Little Giants, you got Icebox. In The Sandlot, you got everyone. In The Beast, even in Rookie of the Year, you got Rowan Goddard. Uh, great kids' sports movies put together an intelligent story with all of these elements because they know kids don't need to be dumbed down to. They just use those easy things to give access to intelligent themes and lessons. You know what bad sports, kids sports movies do? Hey kids, it's a monkey playing baseball. You'll enjoy the fart jokes, right? You'll enjoy that guy from that show that your parents watch, magic. Hey, stock characters, great. Um, The worst kids sports movie, maybe the worst sports movie ever is Ed. It is a film that they put together. Like, you know what? I don't think kids can understand intelligent films. I don't think kids can understand intelligent teams. So let's just put a chip in a baseball outfit, let him play and time yeah.
1: strike, yeah, from the record. Uh, okay, so uh, Ed versus the Bench Warmers, five minutes when one of you starts talking. Um, first of all, uh,
4: no one was expecting Ed to be a great film to begin with. It only grossed four million in 1996, which uh, inflammation was about six million. My movie grossed about 57 million and it was absolutely terrible. Uh, and also when you're saying that you know kids in the 90s did like that type of stuff they did love you know having monkeys playing baseball or monkeys playing sports uh that's why mvp happened most valuable primate uh air bud was a dog playing basketball and then they did multiple sequels kids love that there was no ex when matt leblanc was your key actor your go get hey here's an actor you'll know you're going to be in trouble to begin with no one's expecting Ed to be great uh my movie had a. Uh, Rob Schneider, which he was great in Bruce Bigelow. He wasn't great in other things, but he was great in that. Uh, yeah. John Heder, who was funny in Napoleon Dynamite, Blades of Glory. He's done all their funny work. David Spade is a really funny, dude. So you're expecting him to be funny in that. And mine wasn't fun. It was not funny.
3: Um, You say kids love it. And you just said it. Ed made $4 million at the box office. And it wasn't a spinoff like MVP that MVP was of Airbud. It was a movie that was touted. You talk about that some of the best kids sports movies are bad. Well, I'm telling you bench warmers is one of the better teenage sports films and we're going to take it but it's a teenage sports film marketed to teenagers because in the first five minutes you talk about lesbian sex scenes and bros for hoes and what they do is take that raunchy comedy and the uh physical physical humor of bullies you actually hate getting their comeuppance and you're very satisfied with it but they use all that to tell an actual great themed message that nobody should be rude you should take care of each other and as a teacher who Teaches rude ass kids. The fact that I get to see them get their comeuppance is so nope. satisfying.
4: This movie teaches kids to let adults just beat up on kids because that's what they did. Three grown men just beating up on kids. Yeah, maybe they're being bullies, but it doesn't mean teaching kids to be bullies back. That's what the benchwarmers basically did is to be bullies back. Whereas Ed, it's a fun k- k- movie about uh, an animal who's giving hope, hope to a team that was kept on losing. And yeah, the acting's not great, but Matt LeBlanc as your star wasn't going to be great to begin with. He was, like, he's in Friends. He's not even the funniest person people go watch Friends for. People watch it for Ross, for freaking Phoebe, for Chandler. Matt LeBlanc's other movie was Lost in Space, and that was garbage too. You weren't expecting this movie to be great. People were actually expecting Benchwarmers to be good, and it wasn't good. And the whole message saying that it wasn't meant for kids, um, the whole point of the Benchwarmers was three adults um, trying to Stick up for kids who never get picked for
3: actual sports, but uh it's just mainly it's adults. Sticking up for kids that cannot fight back. Yeah. You know what they do? They play them in sports because it's also their parents who are big assholes. This is the ultimate nice guys finish first movie because because yes, it's the adults who who are playing sports to get them back, but they're doing it for the bench warmers. And you know how that yeah. pulls through the theme? It's through Rob Schneider, who the entire time you thought he was bullied as a kid, you were like, oh, wow, I feel for this guy. He's actually a nice oh, guy. Oh, all, and, no then way, realize, no. and then you realize he was, he's so tormented. He doesn't want a kid because he was the bully as the kid. And you didn't know okay, what right, no Everyone, that
4: everyone, he, is, okay, I'm going to stop it right there. Everyone knew that he was going to be a bully. It was very predictable in that movie. Well, you're an idiot then. No offense, hey. you are an idiot if you didn't expect it. And you're talking you about how I'm not, your movie. So. You say your movie's not. Your movie's actually kind of fun. Like it had that Harry the Hendersons vibe, you know, a nice family film with a, uh, Elsa has that Air Bud feel. And I don't know why. Why is your movie so bad compared to mine? Also, my movie also teaches like it teaches kids to, just to bully back. It, so. I it also show.
3: No, you go. Oh, so, okay. so I've already mentioned how Rob Schneider's character teaches you you don't want to be. Okay, a bully. no. Well, go but, to your movie. A, why is your movie quick, is worse at than the At the at the end of Benchwarmers, One the bully kids actually go against their bully adults and give the benchwarmers a home run, even though they're fairly beating them. They come together in the end, kids saying we shouldn't be bullies. My film has no coherence. You don't remember anything. It, it tells kids you are not intelligent enough to understand anything, but the lowest branches. I will
4: say my movie also very stereotypical nerds, which is that is not how people are in real life. They do the whole Steve Urkel thing where a lot of people were offended by that because they're ner- nerds are not that way. And they also make fun of the handicapped with the, the the dwarf. So that's a very stereotypical thing to do is also very offensive in that way. Also, teaching kids, it's okay to drink alcohol.
3: It's just for a funny moment with the the Cuban dude pretending he is 12. It's just- dwarf, everything you're talking about, it actually comes full circle. The dwarf is the one that is touted at the end of the film.
1: Time. Alright, Amaru, you now have one minute to close when you start talking.
3: all the bad themes that Richard is talking about in bench warmers is by the end of the film and throughout the film shown why you actually don't want to be a bully. The bully, the main bully in the film has been tortured all his life. All the kids that are bullying becomes uh, friends with the bench warmers, the kids in the end. My movie has the, stock characters you do not remember. It has a little animal cruelty. You want to talk about family film? Animal cruelty uh, with the animatronic uh, monkey who is more memorable than any of the actors themselves. It does not have anything besides, let's get a monkey playing baseball. Let's throw some bananas at him. You like a magic coin? Here, here's a magic coin. You want all the stock characters? We got the goofy guy. We got the mean guy on the team. We we, we got the, the surfer dude. We got the black dude who talks about There's not no rule for a monkey playing baseball, which I didn't even know happened because air, did it better later. There is no type of coherence and no intelligent themes in the film while Benchwarmers actually has a great. All
1: right, Richard, you now have one minute to close your argument. When you start talking.
4: Look, when Amaro just finally talks about his movie in the closing, you know, he's in trouble. Uh, they, ed was not that bad of a movie no one's expecting that movie to be great to begin with out of the 200 films in 1996 it grossed like 165th out of the 200 movies that came out that year uh i mean everyone loves a good baseball movie especially a sports movie that features an animal that's why they kept on doing air bud most valuable primate harry the hendersons in the 80s and when matt leblanc is your key actor you knew it's not gonna be great to begin with he did talk about any of the acting performances whereas my movie it, it sent a bad message to kids to be bullies back yeah it, it taught you know to somehow stick up for yourself but it also makes you makes it okay for adults to beat up on kids it also the the jokes were fell flat rob schneider was very predictable to be the bully in that uh john heater was not that funny david spade was not funny and it was just a very bluff film at least uh ed was just it was adorable seeing a chimpanzee playing sports and interacting with the little kid, and the refrigerator scene was funny as hell.
1: Time. All right, bring in those judges. All right, um, Cody, you get to go first.
2: Wait one second. I need. Oh
1: no! Unacceptable.
2: I need to think for another second. Okay. Sorry. It's
1: okay. (laughs) Why are you making that noise?
2: Because this is hard. This is why I don't like doing this.
1: All right. Cody, you get to go first.
0: Uh, I went with Richard. I think overall, I think Richard did a really good job of painting it. And Ed did not come up to the conversation a ton, um, which didn't hurt, didn't help, but it really didn't paint a picture of why I didn't think that move was that great. So Richard when's point for me? Maggie.
2: Um, so I give my point to Amaro. I think that he was good at battling back against what Richard was saying about his movie. I do agree that he didn't say a whole lot but about his movie, but the things that he said mattered. plus I think that um, I mean the, the problem for me with Richard's argument was he kept arguing about how no one expected it to be good, but the question wasn't disappointing. It was just straight up worse. And so that sort of held sway for me.
1: All right. Uh, I get to decide this one. I also went with Amaru. Uh, I think that everything that Maggie basically just said is exactly why. They they kept saying about how uh, Richard or Amaru wasn't talking about Ed that much. And to me, he said just enough that he needed. And... Uh, Richard was like just talking on and on about the bench warmers and why the bench warmers uh, all these terrible things about it and Amaru was able to be like actually no these those bad things you're talking about are actually the lessons that actually end up being good in the movie and uh, yeah so I get my point to Amaru which means your winner Amaru Moses uh, we're gonna start by uh, actually talking to Richard Richard um, I think you played really really <sighs> well today the score. I think is, you know, is, is rough, but man, I think that all three of those are really close. Um, you played really, really well. Like you always do. Uh, so I'm sorry that it, it turned out this way for you, but how are you feeling about the match? I'm a little bummed. I didn't
4: get at least one, but again, it it is mainly on me. I need to learn to speak better, be able to project my words and how I'm trying to think of them. I always have trouble with that. Sometimes uh, this time it actually didn't matter. Amaru was able to come back. Great. Uh, Fun fact, I've never seen Ed, so I always just had to, based on scenes I saw on YouTube. <laughs> and, you know, I tried. At least I got one vote. <laughs> it was fun. I can't wait to come back later on in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll absolutely have you back. Is there anybody that you want to debate, like, that you've seen around here that you want to just smack I... around a little?
4: Nah, I just, you know, whoever wants to face me, I'm always there. It doesn't matter who I face. Hopefully I can get to get back to my 2000s comedies, where i get to
1: use that next time <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh you will be able to draft whatever you would like next time so, so richard uh like i said i don't think the score represents how well you played today but uh nonetheless you played you you played very very well we'll, we'll see you uh either later on the in the season or next season for sure but let's move over to amaru uh amaru you got the buy in round one but you showed today uh that you Definitely uh deserve to be here and that you're you're playing really well. Uh how are you feeling?
3: Um, I want to give all props to Richard. Um that oceans one, he had me on my heels with a lot of things I wasn't expecting. And he really had me on my heels in that sports one. He got me over talking about his film and not about mine. So I I was I was getting ready for question four i was very much like this could easily go either way and i'm actually very happy it didn't go to question four because that next question would have been a doozy for me to pull off so i'm very happy i was able to get in get out and get this done um richard you did your thing man uh you you definitely threw me off a couple times um but i'm I'm very happy I, i i've been like thinking about this all week Uh, I have not debated, I told you I've not debated in so long and I love doing this. I love arguing, I love yelling, and I love being able to come up with counterpoints. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm hella excited to keep going. Uh, I can't wait for the next one.
1: Absolutely. So uh, the next one is going to be, uh, you are going to be playing the winner of RJ, uh, everyone's, uh, everyone's favorite Red Ranger, and Caleb Coho. Those are your those are your options. Uh, so, what do you think about either RJ or Coho?
3: I am excited
1: for either one.
3: Uh, I've never been able to debate Coho in any way. Um, uh, I'm so, sad. but I've you, seen you don't want I've, to. Uh, I've seen Coho debate and he's really you're bad. not missing much. But again, very similarly, RJ's been on my show and I've seen him argue and I know how well he, at, he he is at it. I know how good he, both of them are. He's it's going to be fun. Either way, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm very excited, and I can't wait.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so that'll be coming very, very soon. Uh, Amaru, congrats on the win and the knockout today. Uh, Cody, final thoughts on the match.
0: Uh, yeah, I think Richard did really well. I mean, the KO is not what you want on your record, but Amaro is, again, like I've said, I've argued with this man in the YouTube comments, and he's still wrong about that. I can still stand by that, but at the end of the day, he has a really, he's, he's passionate, so it's really great to have somebody that's really passionate about the mate in this league. It's exciting to go. I'm not looking forward to either Coho or Day next, because, God, this match was loud, and Richard didn't really say a whole lot, so, like, it didn't yell, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, which is Koho's going to yell, and so is RJ, so this is going to be a loud next match, so it'll be fun, and I hope Maggie's back, because it was so fun to have Maggie here. I enjoyed seeing her. Maggie, uh, Mm -hmm. final thoughts on the match.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with what you said. I don't think that the score necessarily reflects how um, Richard played, because it was very close, especially for those last two questions. Um, But yeah, I am looking forward to see what both the players do next
1: absolutely so that's gonna do it for us today at fan zone debate uh we will see you guys back here uh in two weeks for the next match which is one that uh we're so excited for caleb boatman taking on nick tuig uh
0: you're excited for what i'm now.
1: oh man shit's gonna crumble it's gonna be great we'll see you guys in two weeks for that match but until then thank you to amaru and mr carefree richard uh cody maggie uh we'll see you guys next time bye asshole that's
0: my bad i was sending a tweet